Hello, and thank you for clicking on the Sean B. Show to listen to my episode that I launched today. It's so exciting. I'm glad you did that. Thank you very much. Hey, look, this episode was recorded on November 1st, 2022 at the Edge Construction Studio in Columbus, Indiana. Edge Construction can help you. Listen, give my boy Brian a call. He knows what's up. Site development, need some dirt work done. Anything construction-related, Edge Construction's got your back. Call my friend Brian at 812-343-3035. Tell him the Sean B. Show sent you, okay? That'll help me out, help you out. We've got a pretty packed episode today breaking down week eight of NFL action. Got a Colts offensive coordinator fired. Got all kinds of stuff. A little bit of World Series talk. I'm not ready to deal with the fact that the Astros are there. Hey, check us out right now. You're listening to The Sean B. Show on Second String Media. Hello and welcome into The Sean B. Show. It is just me today, Sean B. in the studio all by myself. I'm all by myself. All by myself. I shouldn't do that. I shouldn't do that. It is Tuesday, October. No, no, no. That's a lie. Tuesday, November 1st, the year 2022. It's already November. How is it already November? Unbelievable. A great week of football, NFL Week 8. Not a, not a great week if you're a Colts fan. And an even worse week if you're a guy named Marcus Brady. Colts uh, take a one-point loss this week. Take also the loss of an offensive coordinator. Marcus Brady announced he was fired today by the Indianapolis Colts pending uh, his replacement. And I don't know that I'll not dive too too deep into this because we'll talk about the Colts later. We'll obviously bring this back up later. But I, I start with the signal caller who is obviously Frank Reich. To me, that's where your issue is. But, hey, you know what? Who am I? I'm just a guy that watches and talks about football. I like football. I know football pretty well. And uh, Colts fired Marcus Brady. We'll get uh, deeper into that Colts game that happened on Sunday and uh, more about all that and some Colts notes here later on in the podcast. we got a lot to talk about today as we break down week eight of NFL action. But... But the World Series got rained out last night. I feel like we should talk about that a little bit because it's the World Series. Sometimes I forget the World Series is happening because the Cubs aren't involved. But, hey, it's happening. And last night they got rained out. They were supposed to play game three last night in Philadelphia. Rainouts. Who does that Who does that benefit more? You push all the games back a day. Who does it benefit more? And the answer to that question is the Philadelphia Phillies. Here's why Ranger Suarez, who threw in relief in game one, is now able to start game three. Game one starter Aaron Nolan can now pitch game four on regular rest and would also be available on a regular World Series rest in game seven. Clears the way for Zach Wheeler uh, to, to get another to, to go on game six. Like it, it clears this pitching staff that doesn't have a lot of pieces in their starting rotation, it it helps them out tremendously. Doesn't change a whole lot for the Astros, um, even though they're awful, and I hate them. But uh, Lance McCullers still going to go game three. Christian Javier, game four. Game five uh, on extra rest will be Valdez again. 
no, Val- Verlander on game five on extra rest, Valdez game six, and then probably McCullers again in game seven if it goes that far. I don't think it will. I don't think they're getting out of Philadelphia. Uh, Phillies take it in five. Phillies got to take it in five. I hate the Astros. Hate them. But you know what? They say you're bitter. You're bitter. Let the cheating thing go. I can't. They never got punished for it. I'm not a fan. Not a fan of all this. But Phillies Astros game three scheduled now for tonight in Philadelphia. Game four with me tomorrow. Game five following on Thursday. So two days off in the World Series helps a and not an ailing pitching staff. Houston just has a deeper pitching staff. So advantage Philadelphia with the rain out. You're gonna get uh, you're gonna get more out of that staff. Houston has a really good starting pitching staff. They have a really good rotation. They've got four guys they're not afraid to use in the World Series. That's a lot. That's a lot to have. Um, guys going in relief. You got Verlander who is basically my age, but is still a dominant pitcher. The more innings you get out of him, the better, obviously. The more rest you give him, also the better, obviously. So a lot of lot of lot of things uh developing from that rain out. And it, like I said, in a seven game series for everything, it, it changes a lot. Getting things pushed back. The Cubs learned in 2016 that getting the game pushed back 17 minutes is a lot. A whole lot. Miles Turner, Indiana Pacers big man, goes on to say the Lakers should take a hard look at trading for Miles Turner. Obviously, the rumors are out there. Miles Turner. I want to know what they should look at. Because I'm looking at Miles Turner. He played 42 games last year. He played 47 the year before, 62 the year before that. Hadn't really played what one would call a full season. I'll give him 74 as a full season. You look at, uh, what, eight games of rest. All right, fine. 18-19. 19-20, he played 62. Now, of course, we know 2020 was a weird season, so we're going to give him, we'll give him that full season. But 47 in 2021, 42 last year, that's, almost, that's, that's a little over half. And, of course, he's played in three of the Pacers games this year. Now, Miles Turner is a great shot blocker. He's a, he's a he's a phenomenal shot blocker. In fact, for his career, he's what two point seven blocks a game, two point three blocks a game, twelve point seven points a game. The problem for me and Miles Turner is as a big man. I, I I get it. He's a great rim defender. He is a fantastic rim defender. He can also sh- he can also shoot the three for a big guy and kind of stretch that bigs in the perimeter. He's thirty four point eight percent on his career from three point range. But the troubling number for me for a big man, and this has always been my my second issue with Miles Turner, is 6.7 boards a game. To me, you've got to get those guys on the boards. You've got to get those big men on the boards. Um, Anthony Davis is down there in L.A. Obviously, we're, we're looking at this trade as if it's probably going to happen or at least it's definitely in deep, serious talks. But uh, it, and. I don't, I don't even know what they're looking at in return. I know the, the package the Pacers are trying to put together is Turner and Heald. I like the Pacers' core. Um, minus, I like Miles Turner. I don't want to pretend I don't like Miles Turner. I just I have to count the negatives that come with Miles Turner. We haven't seen a whole lot of him. I mean, he plays half the time. So if he can clean that up and stay healthy and stay on the floor, 
I mean, you're, you're not blocking shots if you're not on the floor. Fire an OC when our head coach does the play calls. Yeah, I know. I know. I don't, I don't get it either. I don't get it either. There'll be more on that in a minute, but ooh, man, I don't get it either. I, and it's hard to look at from a fan perspective and, and ask yourself what Marcus Brady does. I mean, does he lead practice? Cool. I mean, but, but yeah, your signal caller is the guy in headphones on the sideline on the game, on game day. It's Frank, Wright. He's going to be gone at the end of the season, right? Okay. Again, I'll, I dove into some Colts uh, facts here because the, the one thing starting Elger expo- exposed is you don't have that, that veteran guy making those mistakes to blame everything on anymore. You can't say Matt Ryan's old, Matt Ryan's this, Matt Ryan's whatever. Now you're just purely looking at an offense that was pretty balanced. Cold stocks coming up later. I got to, I'll, I'll not stop if I don't stop now. <clears throat> Miles Turner says the Lakers should take a hard look. Does this mean he wants to go? Does this mean he no longer wants to be a pacer? I've said this a lot about Indianapolis and basketball and those guys. Their brand is worth so much money in a better market than Indianapolis, especially a market like Los Angeles. LeBron James is in Los Angeles for his brand. His brand thrives in Los Angeles. Kobe Bryant's brand thrived in Los Angeles. That's so important to these guys now because with all the social media going on, you want to be in a place where, where that type of stuff, that, that extra added entertainment realm of, of what you do as a professional athlete can be maximized. So I can, I can, I can fully understand why Miles Turner would want to go to L.A. I don't know if you guys noticed this on the stream, but I still got a little bit of green on. Uh, hard to get that stuff off my beard. Really, really hard to get that stuff off my beard. The, 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 the Grinch makeup. I don't know if you guys saw how good my costume was last night. My wife killed it. My wife killed it. Full Grinch attire. I wish I had a picture to throw up on the stream for those that didn't see it. You guys probably saw it though. I mean, I'm all over social media, right? I, I do that. You nauseate me. Mr. Grinch, I'm telling you, I'm jacked last night. Last night, we got some good videos. We had some fun trick-or-treating with the kids. We had some kids come to our house. I don't know if anybody drove down Taylor Road and saw me dancing out by the road, but I spent a lot of time out by the road just making hand gestures and things to cars. I had a blast last night. I had a blast. Sarah coaxed me into this early Christmas stuff that she likes to do. Look, our Christmas tree is going up today. But she coaxed me into that with the, she sold this to me as, Hey, do you want to play a role on Halloween where you get to like scare kids and kind of be mean to kids? Right. And kind of just be a jackass. Like I I said, yeah, that's what I want to do. That'd be awesome. How do, how do we do that? She goes, well, you're going to go as the Grinch. I 100% agreed. And Christmas officially began last night. Unbelievable. She sucks me in. She got me. Great time last night, though. Still got the green on my face. Like I said, I don't know if you see any of that. I'll take the headphones off for a minute. Yeah, it's back there on the ears. And, uh, of course, if you're listening on the podcast, you can't see anything, so it doesn't matter what I do. But uh, if you're listening on the podcast, you can catch these live streams Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday, 11 a.m. Eastern live streams. Okay, Sean B. Show live. It's on Facebook. It's the Sean B. Show Facebook page. 
course, we're on Twitter at Sean B Show, YouTube slash Sean B Show, and twitch.tv slash Second String Media. All those places where this thing is live streamed, we do it Sunday, Tuesday, and Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern. The podcast is released immediately after. Yeah. Week eight in the NFL was awesome. And it started with a really, really good Thursday night game. That shouldn't have been as good as it was. Considering Tom Brady looked really bad. I, I, I don't I would say bad. He didn't look bad. He looked like a game manager. Now, he didn't have game manager stats, but he looked like a game manager. Like, it was kind of depressing to watch, especially with all the drama you hear about, you know, divorce this and who's that and what not this. You know, when your divorce is all over the fucking internet, like, how can you come out and have a good day? And I, he, he threw for 325 yards and a touchdown. And that's, that's fantastic. If you look at that stat on paper, that's an okay game, 26 of 44, 325 and a tud. That's an okay game, right? But when you dive into it, and if you watch this Thursday night game, you saw like Tom Brady, the fucking goat, looking completely uncomfortable, looking completely stymied. I mean, 12 of those points came in the fourth quarter. They got nothing in the second and third. Just looking stymied. The Ravens had their number. And this game... Ended up a lot closer than you thought it would be. I actually made a bet on the Bucks late because I got 11 to 1 odds on the Bucks to win the game. And I thought, man, th this, this is very Tom Brady-esque. Like, if you were able to come back and do this, I didn't see it happening. But when you get 11 to 1 on something like that, on Tom Brady, on the GOAT, you take it, right? Lamar Jackson, 27 to 38, 238 yards and two tuds. And, hey, I had Mark Andrews over – I think it was 46 and a half yards. So I'm watching this game with intent. Okay, I got a lot of, lot of uh, player props on this game. One of those being Mark Andrews with over 46 and a half receiving yards. Uh, got hurt, leaves the game. Of course, he's been hurt for a couple weeks. He may or may not play week nine. But doesn't matter. This Isaiah Likely kid, this new kid, comes in. Six catches, 77 yards, and a tud. This Isaiah Likely kid comes in looking sharp. Great job filling that role. Because Mark Andrews is a stud, without a doubt, a stud. And uh, Isaiah Likely come in have a great game. All right, helps Lamar and the, and the Ravens get that W in Tampa Bay on Thursday night. I don't do a very good British accent, so I'm not going to try to do it anymore. Who got fired from the Colts? talk about it later Patrick it's a hook it's supposed to keep you here right it's supposed to keep you here I gotta mumble all this other shit first and then I'll get back to that but over in London Broncos Jags <sighs> I get the Broncos won I get the Jags are who they are um all, all London really got out of this game was to be able to watch uh, Etienne Jr. run for 156 and a tud. That was exciting. Russell Wilson, 18 to 30, 252, a tud and a pick. I, I just, they're not fun to watch. Like, and what's crazy about that to me is I'm considering this 9.30 a.m. London game to be a primetime game. I get it. It's not primetime nighttime television, but that's a big game. 
It was exclusive to ESPN Plus subscribers, which is garbage, by the way. Uh, not ESPN Plus. ESPN Plus is fantastic. But I'm I'm getting tired of these subscriber-only. Like, it's not working for Amazon. Like, viewership just continues to tank. This ESPN Plus only 9.30 a.m. Like, 9.30 a.m. on the East Coast. 6.30 a.m. on the West Coast. And you're going to put this motherfucker in ESPN Plus only? An exclusive ESPN Plus broadcast of a London football game? The people across the pond, I don't know what they did to deserve to go and... You know how many Jacksonville Jaguars fans are over there, Braden? What a shit game. But ETN Jr. was the shining star. 24 carries, buck 56 and a tud. Russ Wilson, just not Russ Wilson anymore. The Broncos didn't get what they paid for. We're halfway through the season now. I'm pretty sure we can start to assume that. I don't think anyone expected prime Russ. At least I hope not. I know who got the better end of the deal. We'll talk about them here in a few. Dolphins should have ran over the Lions. Dolphins defense letting the Lions score 27 points. You know what, though? Like, the, that's who the Lions are. Like, they can be in every game. Every game they can be in. They're 1-6. and six. They're 1-6. and six. Like, they beat Washington. They're 1-6. and six. But 38-35 against Philly. 28-24 against uh, Minnesota. 48-45 against Seattle. Like, they're in every game with the exception of the Patriots game. The Cowboys beat them up pretty good, too. Like, Jared Goff, these guys are just, I mean, even in this game, you know, in the Dallas game, 228, no touchdowns, two picks. Go over here to this Lions game. Two ahead of a fucking monster game, by the way, 29 to 36, 382 and three tuds. Jalen Waddle, two of those tuds for a buck 06. Tyreek Hill adding his own buck 88. 12 catches for Tyreek. Somebody said Tyreek would uh, regret leaving Mahomes in Kansas City. I don't know that he has. I don't know how he could. But look at Goff's stat line, 27 to 37 for 321 on a tud. Like Jamal Williams, 53 touches, uh, or sorry, 53 yards, two touch, two tuds. I just, these guys, these, these, it's the best one and six football team I've ever seen. They can score. They're not very good defensively. I mean, when you score 45 points and lose, you're, you're just, that's, that's your problem. So everybody's going to look at Jared Goff and, and cause we do that, right? We pin this on quarterbacks. We, we go to Jared Goff. We say, well, what's Jared Goff? Did Jared Goff's having a year? The Lions' offense is pretty good. I mean, put up 35, lose. Put up, put up 45, lose. Patriots goose egged them. Don't see a lot of goose eggs. Saw one this past Sunday that cost me a whole bet. I had about 600 bucks riding on, uh, was a five-leg uh, one o'clock game parlay that I made. I bet it live, so I got it late. But I got uh, I got Raiders plus twenty one and a half. Now at this point they're down twenty one nothing, and in my head I'm like, they're gonna make this closer than this. 
like they're going to right now. Keep in mind, this is from the perspective of somebody who had not watched this. I, I, I was not, I was not able to watch this game. So I didn't see basically Las Vegas looking like they had nothing in the tank, nothing in the fucking tank whatsoever. I skipped a little bit, but the Saints goose egg the Raiders. Camara, 18 touches, 62 yards, and one touch on the ground. 96 more in the air with two tuds. Andy Dalton, 22 of 32, 29, two tuds. That guy doesn't make, isn't making too many mistakes. Definitely didn't against, definitely didn't against the Raiders. He's played pretty well. Alvin Kamara was a was a monster. We'll get to we'll get more on uh, Kamara here in a little bit. Falcons Panthers, the best game that doesn't matter ever. That was a great football game. I got to see the end of this game. I did not have this in my one o'clock parlay. Deontay Foreman. First of all, hats off to this guy. Buck eighteen and three tuds. Okay, this guy's been passed around the league. Was on the Colts practice squad for a while. His former team that practice squatted him, the Falcons. Deontay Foreman, 26, buck 18, and three tuds. What a game, kid. For the Panthers. Who lost? Now, DJ Moore. <laughs> DJ Moore. I... I hate those plays like where you just do something insanely stupid, cost your team yards. And, and, and then ultimately that's a DJ Moore at 152 yards and one touchdown, a, a huge touchdown in which he immediately rips his helmet off and celebrates tack on 15 to that fucking extra point. That's already a deep kick. Like, they, they made this so extra points aren't gimmies. A lot of people shit on McPherson for missing one Monday night, last night. That's a deep, that's a deep kick. Like, it's not a gimme anymore. So, tack on 15 yards to that. Now you're kicking a decently long field goal. The miss sends them to overtime. Where they lose. So, I just, I hate those insanely stupid plays. The Colts beat the Chiefs. On an insanely stupid defensive uh, personal foul. Like, that's, that's why the Colts are 3-4-1 instead of 2-5-1. Those insanely stupid plays that alter the course of football games where these guys do what they do and they're immediately like, shit, I'm an idiot. To an entire city. But that's how the Falcons won in overtime yesterday, 37-34. Despite P.J. Walker and the Panthers looking good. I mean, hell, had they won yesterday, you know, you're 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 three and you're three and five. You're right there in the thick of it. Falcons in first place in the NFC South. I've had to seriously reconsider all of my bets for who's going to win what division. Like we can argue that this has been a little bit of an insane season, right? You could, you could have seen three and five Packers coming, considering Aaron Rodgers has nobody to throw to, except for maybe now Romeo Dobbs, who made a dime of a catch against Buffalo Sunday night. We can argue that. 
I still don't know why everyone touts the 49ers as Super Bowl contenders, but I'll be honest with you, CMC, whoo, boy. That guy's in a place where he can shine. Cowboys, Bears, 49-29, 20-point dub for Dallas, despite not having Zeke. Look, is Tony Pollard the guy? Is he the dude? 14 touches, buck 31, and three tuds. Is Tony Pollard the guy? Man, he looks like it. He sure looks like it. He is an easy over to bet. That guy is always making plays. Yesterday, no, no, uh, no, no, uh, Zeke Pollard, 14, buck 31, three tuds. Cowboys win easily. Justin Fields had a great game. Look, I'm a, I'm a big proponent. I get a lot of shit because I got a lot of Bears fans and they say, oh, you never talk good about the Bears. There's not a lot of good to say about the Bears. They're three and five. Um, it's, they're one of those three and five teams you can tell really won't go anywhere. But I'm ever more falling in love with Justin Fields. I, I, I'm ever, every week he gives me new reasons to fall in love with him. 17 to 23 for a buck 51 and two tuds yesterday. Added 60 yards on the ground with another tud. Justin Fields is a fucking baller. Okay, this dude come in. He's one of those quarterbacks, right? You're like, well, is he going to make it in the NFL? Is his game going to transfer to the NFL? This dude is a baller. He's tough as shit, and he's a baller. Bears got a guy to build around. Hopefully, they can keep him healthy. Saints goose egg to Raiders. I don't want to talk about that anymore. Eagles 35, Steelers 13. Kind of saw this coming. Eagles, look, I want to see them still beat somebody good. I mean, they beat Dallas. Fantastic. They beat Minnesota. Another good win. The rest of their wins, a lot of soft teams in there. Their upcoming schedule, even worse. Got Washington on the third. This coming Thursday. No, they've got Houston. Sorry, this coming Thursday night. Amazon getting another thriller of a game with the Houston Texans. They got Washington on the 14th. Uh, come to Indy on the 20th. That should be ugly. I huh, I hope not. Hard to say. Then you got uh, you got Green Bay coming to Philadelphia, which is only to your advantage. That's on a, that's a that's a Sunday night game. Then you got Tennessee is probably your next big test cuz I Tennessee is like they're winning me over. And as much as I hate to say that, they're winning me over. Derrick Henry was a monster yesterday. Was an absolute monster yesterday. I want to see the Eagles really, really tested. It's not going to be the Giants. Because I'm sorry, the Giants are the worst six and two six and two team I've ever seen. Probably not going to be the Bears, although it could be the Bears. It could be the Bears. The Bears could give them a game. You got to go to Dallas still. You got the Saints coming in, then you got the Giants again. It's relatively soft schedule in Philadelphia. To me, the surprise of the year at seven and zero. Nick Sirianni doing a great job. Uh, Jalen Hurts nineteen to twenty eight, two eighty five, four tuds. AJ Brown was a guy yesterday. Six grabs for a buck fifty six and three tuds. AJ Brown was a guy yesterday. <clears throat> Looking good for Philly. Is all I'm saying. It's looking real good for Philly. How about Pat's Jets? 
big rivalry game. These guys really don't like each other in the Jets. Honestly, not that good. But Mac Jones playing the whole game yesterday, 24-35, buck 94, tud and a pick. Nick Folk was the story of this game. Five field goals to lift the Patriots over the Jets, 22-17. to What a boring game. But I had, <laughs> I had the Jets plus five and a half. Hit that one. Uh, Zach Wilson throws three picks. That's a bad deal. We don't want that. We want Zach Wilson to be good. Tennessee getting over Houston, 17-10. to even in the absence of Ryan Tannehill, Malik Willis makes his first start. And honestly, they didn't use him a whole lot. They didn't use him a whole lot at all. Six to 10, 55 yards and a, and a pick. Uh, they didn't need to use him because Derrick Henry touched the ball 32 fucking times for 219 yards and two touchdowns. Has Derrick Henry regained his spot at the top of the running back list in the NFL? It's been a weird year for Jonathan Taylor. I still think Jonathan Taylor is very talented. I still think Jonathan Taylor is one of the best. But if you're looking at this season alone, you've got to put Henry above JT. You've got to put Saquon and Nick Chubb above JT. There's a lot of guys out there that just, they're just, they're just not. They're just not. The Colts are just in a weird, in a weird spot. I can't get to it quickly. I was going to try. I can't get to it quickly for some more numbers and info. Titans win, extend their lead in the AFC South. And I, I'm going to say this. I still think the Colts can win this division. <laughs> I'm sticking to it. It's my story until they're eliminated. I don't give a shit. I've seen crazier things happen. Seahawks maybe exposed the Giants yesterday or Sunday. Okay. So you look at the Seahawks team, who is now uh, leading the NFC West. They're five and three. The Giants come in six and one. Now they're six and two. The Seahawks, who I thought might not win a game all year, Geno Smith is being a guy. Okay, Daniel Jones, uh, lackluster day, seventeen to thirty-one, buck seventy-six, no tuds, no picks. Geno Smith, 23-34, and two tuds. Kenneth Walker, the third, 51 yards and a touch. Not a lot of exciting things going on, but listen, Seattle can come and win these big games. This, this, look, I don't care what you thought of the other team. The Giants came in six and two, or six and one. So you, you've got to be happy. Getting, I mean, you got a two touch, you won by two touchdowns. You've got to be happy with that. That's that's just an unbelievable job the Seahawks and uh, and uh, Pete Carroll have done this year. And listen, it 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 adds to that Russell Wilson conversation. You see him down in Denver, three and five, and you're like, all right, well, and the, of course, all the things you hear about Russell Wilson, the things that how he wasn't accessible to his team, his teammates would have to call his team to get a hold of him. He wasn't accessible. People didn't have access to him. He was somebody who was ultimately more special than everyone else in the locker room. That's a bad, that's a bad vibe. Can't do that. Can't do that. That nobody in that organization seems to be sad that he's gone. And and you hate to hear stuff like that. I, I've always viewed Russell Wilson as a very nice guy. I like nice guys. 
All right. He seems extremely friendly. Baseball player. Uh, I, I've always had a lot to, of good things to say. I've never heard anything bad about Russ until now. And he's in Denver struggling. Struggling. 49ers, God, CMC ran for one, caught one, threw for one. Unbelievable day for Christian McCaffrey and the 49ers. Jimmy G had a great game. I think Jimmy G got kind of outshined. 21 for 25, 235 and two touchdowns. Jimmy Garoppolo has done a great job stepping in for Trey Lance, which sounds weird because it would have been the other way around last year. But 49ers get the win over the division rival Rams, 31 to 14. Listen. I've been mad all year because people are calling the 49ers just a definite Super Bowl contender. And I don't buy it. I still don't buy it. But I'll tell you what I saw yesterday. And I saw the 49ers energized. Okay. They looked rejuvenated. They have, you know, the first week with CMC was kind of like, yeah, he's here. He just got here two days ago. They had a whole week of practice with him and they, they worked it. They got creative and they worked it. They looked good yesterday. So I still don't know if I would say immediate Super Bowl contender. I think the only reason is there's only one true favorite in the NFC, and that that being Philadelphia. Everybody else, Minnesota six and one, uh, but Philadelphia to me is the only true like favorite. You, I, I, everything else you put a much put them in a Yahtzee cup and roll the dice and see who you get. I think Dallas is good. I think once Dak gets his stuff all together. Dallas is really good. That NFC East, surprising. Surprising. Sunday night football, Bills Packers. Uh, this was a better game than I thought it would be. I got to be honest. I talked to a buddy of mine right before the game started, and he said, I don't want to see another blowout on Sunday night. And we didn't get that. We didn't get that. Largely because Josh Allen had a little bit of a shaky day. 13 to 25, 218, two tuds, two picks, which is uh, just not a Josh Allen stat line at all. 218 is a very low number for a guy who averages over 300 a game. Two tuds, two picks. Didn't see it. Aaron Rodgers, 19 to 30, 203, two tuds, one pick. So similar nights for guys who normally wouldn't have nights like that. Josh Allen's just had an off night. Aaron Rodgers still trying to figure out what the fuck to do in that Green Bay offense. That's got to be the explanation. I, there, there's no other reason. And uh, finally, Monday Night Football. To me, the surprise of the week. I thought Cincinnati was looking a lot better. I was ready to move them back up the charts. And then Cleveland just stomped that ass at home. Cleveland just put a mud hole. Jacoby Brissett put a mud hole in the Cincinnati Bengals last night. Brissett going 17 to 22 for 278 and a dud. Unbelievable night for the Cleveland Browns. They get a win 20, uh, 32 to 13. Nick Chubb, 23 for a buckle, one and two touchdowns. There was a bet on Caesar Sportsbook. Nick Chubb over 99 and a half yards with over one and a half touchdowns. So basically needed a hundred yards, two touchdowns. I thought, nah, I'm not going to do that because Cincinnati, the defense, it, nah, no, I'm not doing that. I knew I, uh, Nick Chubb over a hundred was an easy bet. So two tuds I was worried about. I would have done tud or I would have done tuds for uh, one tud for Chubb, one for Cooper, uh, which happened. Uh, but uh, two over a buck. Over 100 with two touchdowns. Great night for Nick Chubb and the Cleveland Browns. Jacoby Brissett looked looked good. Looked really, really good. Got to give it up for JB7. Got to wonder. You got to wonder if Cleveland's going to want to replace him 
with a guy who hadn't played football in over two years. You got to, I mean, you think about that. Deshaun Watson hasn't played relevant football in over two years. And Jacoby Brissett, now the Browns don't have the best record. I mean, what, they moved to three and five. But Jacoby's out there doing his thing. That offense is up up over 200 points for the year. It's a good number. So you got to see what they're going to do when Deshaun comes back. It could be interesting. Got to think, though, they're going, like I said, I've said this before, Deshaun Watson's insanely cheap this year. If you let him slide into a backup role this year and kind of reacclimate himself with football, maybe even share reps, whatever you got to do to get this guy moving, you get him cheap this year. He's less than a million this year. He's $40 million next year. Next year, if Deshaun Watson's not under center, you have a giant fucking problem. And uh, the Cleveland Browns are notorious for giant fucking problems. So, I, like I said, I don't think Jacoby's blown anything out of the water. I, I do think he's got him in a good enough spot that if you hand the ball off to, if you hand it to prime Deshaun after, after week 11, when they meet Houston and Deshaun returns, if you hand it to prime Deshaun, then you're, you got a shot. You got a shot. There are only two games out of the division. It's been a crazy NFL season. The Ravens have taught us that they can blow any game they have, they have the lead in. It's Thursday night I'm watching and I'm seeing this and I'm like, all the Ravens have done this year is blow leads late. <clears throat> is this going to happen again? Is this what they do again? And they didn't. But look, I don't count anybody out, except for Pittsburgh. Except for Pittsburgh. Kenny Pickett's going to struggle this year. A lot of interceptions, not enough touchdowns to go with it. Kenny Pickett's going to struggle. That doesn't mean that he's long-term a lost cause. I'm not saying that. He's a rookie. A lot of interceptions. Kenny Pickett. That's not funny. It's kind of funny. We've come to the time when I have to talk about this Colts game. This Colts game. I almost need a break before I talk about this Colts game. Colts commanders. uh, Colts blow it late. Terry McLaurin. This is my fucking city. He's not wrong. He's won championships in that stadium. Not on the NFL level. High school and college. The guy's a guy, Terry McLaurin. What a night for him. Six catches, buck 13. Didn't get in the end zone, but probably made the play that won the game for the commanders. And uh, Heineke was able to rush it right in behind him. Heineke was 23 of 31 for 279. One tud, one pick, Shaquille back on the football field. Not really knowing little weirdness about uh, about this whole Shaq Leonard thing. I hope it gets better. I'm hoping that he was just on a pitch count. And that's why he didn't start. Because the weird part for me is, and I was told this, I did not get to witness this, when they introduced the defensive lineups on Sunday, Shaquille Leonard was not part of that. He did not get to start. Now, I'm thinking, no matter what, for your fucking fans and this guy coming back, if you're going to introduce the defense, you've got to end that with Shaquille Leonard. That place blows the fuck up if you end that with Shaquille Leonard. Having said that, 
Zaire Franklin has been a fucking stud this year. Now, I don't know that you get Zaire Franklin and compare him to top of his game Shaq Leonard because top of his game Shaq Leonard's making tackles. He's forcing turnovers. He's blowing shit up. But it was very Shaq Leonard-esque last night or Sunday night, Sunday evening to come in and get an interception and, and, and get that stadium loud, get that, get that, get Lucas oil rocking. The roof was closed, but it might be blown off. That's what Shaq Leonard does. So to me, that guy's got to be on the field. Now, if you're pitch counting him, which is what I hope was happening, I, I assume that's what was happening. Let's make sure this fucking nerve in your back isn't fucked up again because we don't want to paralyze you. I really hope that's what was going on. I, I, you could almost assume that's what was going on. But to not get the start and to not, not give that stadium a chance to erupt at the sound of his name is a little crazy for me, a little weird for me. Ellinger, though, 17-23-201, didn't make too many mistakes. He did cough up the football in a place where we would have gotten points. Jonathan Taylor coughed up the football uh, just after crossing the 20-yard line in a place where we would have gotten points. Uh, that's the difference to me in the game is turnovers. It's always been that way. Um, Colts cough it up in a couple of big spots. That's been the story of the season for the Indianapolis Colts. They're, they're fumbling. They're throwing picks. Now, no, no picks no picks Sunday, but they're, they're giving the ball away too much, and that that continued. Now you want to see what Sammy learned from, you know, he's being taken to the ground. He fumbles. Jonathan Taylor, not, not doesn't fumble a lot. Fumble in a fumble in a big spot. I really, really was, was shocked to see him fumble and lose that in that, in that spot where those points were. We needed those points. We need to have this guy. Number four is back. We need to rally around him and do the right things. And our defense did that. Our The defense did just that. Zaire Franklin's a stud. So many positives. Stephon Gilmore did everything he could to defend that pass well and come away with it. Terry McLaurin was not going to be denied. Setting up the game-winning touchdown. There were a ton of positives from this game, and Big thing being the defense got to Heineke and sacked him twice. Ellinger only got sacked once. I hate to make this sound like a joke because it's definitely not a joke. Uh, McLaughlin was sharp. Three field goals, three for three, long of 46. Matt Hawk was sharp. 56.8 punting average, three or four inside the 20. Those are phases of the game that you have to win. They tried better than I've seen them do all season to balance the game. They tried to make the game so balanced where Jonathan Taylor is now a big part of the rushing attack. Again, Naheem Hines uh, getting a touchdown, getting in the end zone, getting a tud, big part of the running game again. They tried to balance that. Paris Campbell, second leading rusher with his 28-yard with his run. Naheem Hines getting 20, 20 yards and a touch. Alec Pierce to me was a ball, was a baller. Three three grabs, sixty five yards. Made some big grabs. Sammy made some good throws. AP come down with those passes. <clears throat> Pittman Junior. 
seven catches for 53 yards, but to me, he dropped the biggest ball that was thrown to him all day. And I'm not saying that takes away from the day he had, but you drop a ball in that situation. You you drop a pass that hits you in the breadbasket. You're trying to move the ball down the field and and possibly get into field goal range. And to drop that pass to me was that that last drop late in the game was 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 kind of like a final dagger. Now, granted, I know we only had what 26 seconds to go down the field, but that drop by Pittman there at the end was horrible. You can't do that. That's not what big playmakers do. Marcus Brady, we talked about this at the top of the show. Marcus Brady fired today, the offensive coordinator. I'm trying to figure out, and I've been trying to figure out throughout this whole show, what Marcus Brady does. Like, Frank Reich's calling plays on game day, which is clearly the issue. I don't say the issue. It's an issue and a big one, maybe the biggest one. But Marcus Brady gets fired today. Taking the heat for I could only I can only assume taking the heat for the woes of his head coach. Or maybe he maybe he had the audacity to ask if he could call his own plays. I don't know. It's not a good look. It's not a good look. And like I said, I gotta talk about this. Frank's not gonna be here next year, right? Like we're done with the Reich era. And everybody's, a lot of people are going to say he didn't get a fair shake. Didn't get, a, didn't get a consistent quarterback. Half of that was his fault. You wonder how different this year would have gone had they kept Wentz. Not well, from what we can see. We were looking forward to Wentz coming back to Lucas Oil. Didn't even make it back to Lucas Oil. Didn't even make it to week eight. Got a broken finger. High-fived his teammate too hard. But I thought there were some positives even in the play calling yesterday. For one, Frank Reich took points when we needed points. They're at the goal line. Frank Reich took points where we needed points. And that's not something he's been real good at doing. But just the, the overall scheme, the overall lack of preparedness. Listen to this. The Colts points by quarter for the 2022 season. Did you know? Did you know these numbers? The Colts average 1.3 points in the first quarter. 1.3. That is good for 31st in the NFL. The Colts average four points per second quarter. That is good for 32nd in the NFL. The Colts averaged 3.6 points per third quarter. That's good for 23rd in the NFL. We're moving up. And the Colts averaged 6.9 points per fourth quarter. That's good for 12th in the NFL. The Colts averaged 5.3 points per first half, which is good for 32nd in the National Football League. And they averaged 10.5 points in the second half which is good for 19th in the NFL. I don't know if you can make sense of this, but it's fucking terrible. We come into games, 
We still have not scored on an opening possession. We're not putting up points in the first quarter. They're not coming into these games ready. The game plans they're bringing to these games isn't good. The game planning's not good. Frank Reich has been called captain comeback. Only this year, they're not coming back. Isn't a better idea just to be ready for the first fucking quarter? Isn't that a better idea? Wouldn't that be a better strategy? That's easier said than done. I understand that. There's 32 head coaching positions in the National Football League, and almost every one of the other ones can put up points in the first quarter. This isn't a new problem. The Colts have been described as a second-half team for a long time. This is not not a new thing. I, I dove into those quarter, the points-by-quarter stats this morning. It made me sick. So that'll be the chatter now. They fired Marcus Brady. Mid-season coaching changes aren't necessarily Jim Irsay's thing, but offensive coordinator canned today. Checking my phone all day to make sure there's nothing else that's come up. Because the last thing I want to do is miss something. I saw the Marcus Brady news drop just before 11, just before I went live. So I was making notes about it almost immediately. Like as I'm waiting to go live and turn on the microphone, I'm making notes about Marcus Brady. So Colts look, they go to New England next week. It's a winnable football game. It's in New England, which is always difficult. We have a rookie quarterback. I thought Sam Ellinger played pretty well. At the end of the day, if you want to talk about for a few minutes, just assessing the day that Sam Ellinger had, I thought it was pretty good. Hit your first start, got a couple passes in. Kylan Granson, his high school teammate, caught three passes. That's cool. That's cool. Imagine playing in the NFL with your high school teammate. That's cool as shit. Ellinger 17 to 23 for 201. Didn't throw a pick. Like I said, the only downside, the only negative I see from Ellinger is the fumble. And 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 this is how costly turnovers are. If you don't fumble that football down there, we probably win. Jonathan Taylor doesn't fumble that football in the red zone, we probably win. Those turnovers are so massive. They're so huge, and it was literally the battle of turnovers. They turned the ball over once. We turned it over twice. That's the difference in the football game. That's the difference in the football game. So just it's been the same story all season. You win that turnover battle, you win this football game. You go to New England, you don't make a whole lot of mistakes. You just play your football game. They're not a high-powered offense. They're not going to damage you. They are a 4-4 four four team. They did pound the Lions 29 to nothing. But this they're, offensively, they're not what I would call a juggernaut. They did put up 38 to the Browns. But like I said, the Colts' defense is a special unit. Like, they're really good. So I, I'm i not afraid to sit here and say 
that I still think the Colts can win the AFC South. I'm going to say that until they're eliminated. And I don't give a fuck what anyone says. Do you even watch football, bro? Give a shit. I do have to talk about some guys, though. Some I'm going to start doing uh, on Tuesdays because, uh, man, I need to recognize people. Okay, I need to recognize people when they're absolute dogs. So, every Tuesday, every Tuesday, Sean B. Show, five studs. We're going to talk about five studs. Five guys that shined in the particular week of football that just need a little bit of extra recognition. Okay? Five absolute studs. Five absolute reasons for dubs. Okay? This is what we're going to do. And I got an honorable mention today, too. I'll tell you why I didn't make it and then why I had to honorable mention him. Okay? Because it's my, my show. I make the fucking rules. All right. A.J. Brown, Philadelphia. What a day. What a day A.J. Brown had. Three touchdowns, 156 yards in the air. Jalen Hurts, amazing. Eagles beat the Steelers. Jalen Hurts, speaking of that, Jalen Hurts also. Stud, 19-28, to 28, 285, four touchdowns, didn't throw a pick. He's a big part of the reason that Eagles team is so good. Christian McCaffrey, run for one, throw for one, catch one. Yeah, you're a stud. That's a stud day. Alvin Kamara. Pulling the Saints over the Raiders, three touchdowns total, 62 yards on the ground, 96 in the air. What a day for Kamara. And look, look, the fifth stud, division guy, Derrick Henry. Okay, 219 yards on the ground, two touchdowns. What a day. What a day. Honorable mention time, Tony Pollard. Tony Pollard. The spark Dallas needed in the absence of Ezekiel Elliott. Tony Pollard will run around you. He'll make you miss. Zeke's going to run over you. They're two different types of running backs. They both do their jobs. They both do their jobs well. But man, in the absence of Zeke, Tony Pollard steps up his RB1 and crushes it. Absolutely crushes it. 14 carries, buck 31, three touchdowns. That guy needed mentioned. A.J. Brown, Jalen Hurts, Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, and Tony Pollard. I need music behind this segment. I just learned that. Derrick Henry, King Henry, five studs and an honorable mention. (laughs) All right, I'll end the show talking about power rankings. Power rankings have have been a big NFL thing that I have been chastised for from time to time throughout this season. It's been fun. It's been fun listening to everyone shit on me about them. But uh, I power rank from 1 to 10, okay? Sean B's NFL top 10 after week 8. That's what we're doing. Number 10, the New York Giants. The New York Giants. And I feel like it's a team I feel like it's going to – I got to be completely honest. I feel like after what I saw with Seattle, I feel like the Giants are going to struggle. They've got the Texans. Uh, they got to buy. Then they got the Texans. Then they got the Lions. Then they go to Dallas. So you might go to Dallas 8-2. and two. But uh, I don't know. I, I, I just it's hard to sell me on the Giants. 
Then you got Washington. Then you go to. Then you got Philly at home. Then you got Washington again. Then Minnesota. New Year's Day, the Giants play the Colts. That's at MetLife, January first in New York. It's actually New Jersey. No matter what, it's fucking cold. The Giants. I gotta put them at ten. Leapfrogged by the number nine Seahawks. Seattle, my biggest surprise of the year. I said the Eagles earlier, probably the NFL's biggest surprise of the year. For me, it's the Seattle Seahawks. Biggest surprise of this football season. The only reason I say that is I, honest to God, thought that, that this team might not win a game. I, honest to God, thought that. This team might not win a game. Seattle Seahawks, number nine in the uh, Sean B. Show power rankings. Number eight, Tennessee Titans. Hard to do. Hard to do. Look, I hate the Titans. Division opponent. But the reality is they're playing really good football, and Derrick Henry's running as good as he's ever ran. As good as he's ever ran. How are you feeling if you're Malik Willis, you're making your first start, and you got fucking King Henry behind you to say, don't worry, kid, we got this. He only threw 10 balls, 6 to 10. One of them was caught by the other team. So 7 to 10, depending on how you look at it. Number 7. A lot of people say Super Bowl contender. A lot of people say I'm going to underrate these guys, but this is what it is. The 49ers, number 7. The only reason I say number 7, I'll tell you, I can't put these guys above any of the teams that I have above them. I can't do it yet. This past week, was huge for them, though. Jimmy G looked good, better than I've seen him in a long time. Christian McCaffrey doing a job. That defense holding the Rams to just 14 points, so these guys could do a job. 49ers, number seven. I can't put them above number six, Baltimore Ravens. However, I will say, if these guys don't stop blowing games, now this past week they didn't, but the Ravens have found ways to blow games. Found ways. They let the Bucks back in. Bucks had a shot late. Had to get an onside kick. Uh, let the Browns back in. The Browns damn near. That was a back and forth game, but yeah, what? 13 10 at halftime, uh, 20 to 13 at the end of the third. You know what I mean? Just couldn't put the Browns away. Saw a Browns team last night I didn't think we'd ever see. Blew one to the Giants, blew one to the Bengals, blew one to the Bills, blew one to the Dolphins. That's the big one that I point back to, the blown Dolphins game. Because that was a game you just had one, right? It was 28-7 at halftime. It was 35-14 to at the end of the third quarter. And Tua and the Dolphins put up 28 points in the fourth to your three. So I look at this Baltimore Ravens team as a team that very well should be 7-1, and one, but isn't. At least 7-1. That's conservative. Number five, the Dallas Cowboys. Kill me now. Kill me now because I had to say it. I had to say the Dallas Cowboys at number five. I had to. Dak is back. Tony Pollard's looking like a god. Ezekiel Elliott's just chilling, like eating cereal on the sideline. Doesn't give a shit. His boy Tony Pollard's got this. He can heal. I feel like this Dallas team is going to be super competitive through the end of the year. I don't. I, the, it was the Eagles game that got me. And yeah, you still had Cooper Rush starting, and Cooper Rush threw three picks in that game. It's probably what cost the Cowboys the game. This team at full strength is scary. 
They are scary. They can beat anybody. Number four, a lot of people disagree with me on this too, but I'm sorry. The Minnesota Vikings have shown me no reason that they should be dropped out of the four spot. That's where I had them last time. The Minnesota Vikings are six and one. They refuse to lose football games. Um, they beat a struggling Cardinals team, but they got the win over the Dolphins last week, uh, two weeks ago, sorry. Uh, got a Bears win, beat the Saints, beat the Lions. Um, September 19th is the last time, you know, the Eagles beat them 24 to seven. That's their one loss is to Philadelphia. The Minnesota Vikings are really good. And it's not that anything's mind blowing or crazy. It's just that the Minnesota Vikings are really good as a team. They're playing a team game. They got Justin Jefferson. Kirk cousins is doing his best. These guys are playing really well. Minnesota Vikings look for them deep in the playoffs. Eagles Vikings in the AFC Championship game, maybe. I got the Eagles at number three, but they're seven and zero. How are they number three? Because I'm sorry, they're not better than the Bills and they're not better than the Chiefs. <clears throat> I haven't seen anything that would, with the exception of maybe this week against the Steelers. This San Francisco team that everybody thinks is so good got abused by Kansas City. I almost put Kansas City back at number one just because I thought the Bills looked really bad this past Sunday. But the number three, Philadelphia Eagles, the number two, Kansas City Chiefs, I'm going to keep them down there. Even though, man, that's tight. It's tight. Bills at six and one. The Sean B. Show number one team after week eight. Running back down, number one, Bills, two Chiefs, three Eagles, four Vikings, five Cowboys, Six Ravens, seven 49ers, eight Titans, nine Seahawks, 10 New York Giants. Can you believe that some people actually had the fucking Jets still somewhere sniffing around their top 10? Like, I'm sorry. I know they're five and three. I know they were five and two coming into this week, but at no point, what, what, what have they done to show that they're anything but the Jets? They've won a few games. They've won a few games. The Dolphins game, probably the most convincing. But you got to remember in that Jets-Dolphins game, okay, Dolphins started Skylar Thompson. Teddy Bridgewater got in there, got a pass. Mostert did run for a buck 13, but the reality is they beat a Dolphins team that wasn't at full strength. Steelers lost to the Bengals, barely beat the Browns, lost to the Ravens. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know what the Jets have shown anybody would that, that, that would make them sniff a top 10. I just don't. Can you believe that? Number six, Ravens. Number seven, 49ers. Number eight, Titans. Nine, Seahawks. Ten, Giants. New York. New York. Football is football's exciting. I tell you what, the, what is awesome, though. Football is exciting at MetLife again. The Giants and the Jets. Of course, their fan bases still under the impression that they're very much in the thick of it, which they are very much in the thick of it. The CNFL, like every game's a every game, every win is what counts. Winning is what counts. So awesome times at MetLife. I'm imagining. I hope it, I don't know. I don't know. I still don't know if I'm convinced that either of these teams is actually good. We'll see. I got the giants at number 10. It's a tough pick though. Like I said, bills, chiefs, Eagles, Vikings, to me, and probably, I don't know, those four. Actually, huh. Bills, Chiefs, Eagles, those three are the top three for sure. Four through ten, honestly, 
draw them out of a hat, and you're probably still pretty accurate, with the exception of the Giants, who are barely hanging on. <laughs> it's one loss to the Seahawks. They've played well. I get it. Nah. Anyway, guys, from the Edge Construction Studio, this is the Sean B. Show. I want to thank you guys for giving me an hour of your time for whatever reason you chose to do that. I appreciate it. Um, and we'll be back with a new live stream at 11 a.m. Eastern on Thursday. And then, of course, directly after that, a new podcast dropping on Spotify, iTunes, and Google Podcasts. So check us out. We're going to get out of here. Maybe I should put some music behind those segments. Five studs, power rankings. I'm not trying to go full Berman or anything. I just, you know, want to make some, want to make some entertaining content. Anyway, that's my story. I'm sticking to it. Sean B show. I'm out. Have a good one.